Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Football season might be over, unfortunately, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and props to where the next fired coach will land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline offers more than football and basketball. It's also your source for hockey, boxing, and the UFC. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination, providing the fastest and easiest way to wager on your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Episode 69 of the podcast welcomes former University of Missouri kicker Luke Jackson to the show. Luke is currently pursuing a master's degree in counseling psychology at the University of West Florida. Luke, it is an honor to have you on the show. How are you doing, man? Doing good, Coach Lundy. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm a, I'm a fan of the show. Um, you know, I, I brush my, my teeth to fourth down focus, so you know, I'm really pumped <laughs> to be here. I do have a question, though, is what, right before the guitar in the intro, what's that saying? Is it shut up and listen, or what is it? Yeah, it's shut up and sit down. Uh, so I scrambled the believe took me on and this is my first podcast gig. And okay. that was a day one decision. They're like, you need an intro and an outro. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then they explained the licensing. And I'm like, well, I was going to throw in like a really good jam back in the nineties or something just to <laughs> like Wu Tang or something, take it back. But I learned real quick that you had to get this permission. And so I just went with one of these standard audios. It was like the third one I clicked and the lady was like, shut up and sit down. So I was like, Hmm. It's kind of what I want someone to do for about 30, 45 minutes and, that, and, and not and not like shut up, but like really like what what I have a problem with is being present. You know, like I have a very big problem sometimes that if I'm in a place that I don't feel like it's bettering me or it's and it's worth my time, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll shut down and I'll think about 18 other tabs in my head. Right. And uh, and I might have missed something that actually was worthwhile. So what I'm learning more and more is, is the value in being present. So. It was a very, very harsh way of saying sit down and be present, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, I met you. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I'll never forget the name of the city. Arkadelphia. Yeah, that's right. Arkadelphia. It's kind of like, you know, Arkansas and Philly just collided. But I met you in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And I want to say it was about a decade ago, maybe maybe not quite 10 years, but it was a long time ago and you were just coming into college football and it was an elite camp of I'd say 50 or 60 if, if I'm correct and uh, of the of the best kickers and punters and snappers in the nation and then sprinkled in on top of that was Johnny Hecker and Cairo Santos 
some pretty big household names. Um, do you, do you recall that experience? I do. That was, uh, that was honestly the first time in years I had gotten to do, uh, you know, more of a private training, uh, type of camp since I had started just my, you know, day-to-day grind at the collegiate level and just that college athlete lifestyle. Um, so to actually be in a practice where it's everything centered around, uh, kickers, punters, and long snappers, uh, and getting to meet people really from all over the country and all levels of playing was was amazing. And I remember the they interviewed several of us for a couple of minutes and the one clip and I mean, they interviewed me for like five minutes and I got my five seconds of fame on local Arkadelphia news um, was, <laughs> yeah, I've never even heard of Arkadelphia. It's like Philadelphia, I guess. And that was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, a once in a lifetime experience as far as just the, the quality of training that was done that really propelled me to another level. And I uh, was just really grateful for that opportunity and experience. In 21 years I've been coaching, I started very young. I'm not old. Well, I don't think I'm old. I'm definitely old in relation to you. But I think that camp was one of the best experiences I've ever had as far as the assembly of talent the focus, the collaboration, you guys work together very well. Um, even if people were in the same conference, I noticed that like, it was like, yo man, they started partnering up by the end of the week and, and just helping each other. Uh, and we are, we're, we're very unique in that, in that regard as, as far as specialists go is we're, we're kind of a separate entity. So I'm not really challenging myself against you or anyone else. I think you always should internally challenge yourself. You should compete with your best self. And I think that's what the best specialists do. So I I do want to give you a a shout out, man. Like, I don't think you realize that Mike McCabe and I were asked by that, you know, big time news station in Arkadelphia, but it it was a big deal to them. It was their Super Bowl. When they found out you guys were in town and there was all these household Saturday names of kickers and punters, they're like, oh my gosh, that guy plays for the Rams. What? This guy plays for the, uh, who was it? The Chiefs at the time. They were, they were in awe. I mean, and um, Mike and I were asked, you know, we want five of the college boys. And there was a number. How many do you think were there, roughly, college kickers, punters, snappers? I mean, if y'all were hoping for five or six, I mean, we were closer to like 15 or 20. It was a, it was a pretty good-sized group of us from literally all different uh, states um, oh, yeah. across the country. It was nuts. Well, what I meant, though, was the news station said we can't have all 20 right so mike and i had to pick them and it was a it was a combination of two things like who can handle that moment and represent our brand well at that time and and b are they are they good enough to be on film and if their rep gets chosen backside target from the left hash we don't want him to look like a yahoo this is supposed to be an elite camp so we chose you um and i was a part of that decision and you killed it man like that whole week like you really really made an impression on me and it was yeah, you were good. I knew that was implied. You don't go to Missouri and kick if, if you're not good. Um, but I think it was more than that. I think it's how you carried yourself. You very, very sure of yourself, but at the same time, like you were, you got along with everyone. And I think that's important too. Um, you were adaptable, right? You're a chameleon, if you will. So I want you to begin early in your story. I want you to take us back to high school, your football experience in high school, um, and uh, share your process of earning that opportunity as mentioned to kick for the University of Missouri. Right. Um, let's see. We've got to go way, way back for, for something like that. Um, 
I mean, really just with kicking in general, um, you know, I grew up a soccer guy. Um, I feel like it's a pretty common story these days for a lot of uh, kickers and punters in particular, um, as far as growing up playing, you know, kind of in the, in the soccer travel soccer circuit, which I definitely was um, from the time I was nine years old to the time I graduated high school. Um, and, you know, my parents had this rule, shout out to Laurie and Steve Jackson, uh, that I was only allowed to play football once I hit high school and had a little more meat on my bones, um, so to speak. So uh, when I was 15, I decided to play football um, for the first time, kind of a lifelong dream. I'd been begging to play since I was, you know, a little knee biter. Uh, and not knowing any better, um, they have me playing, and this is on the freshman team, linebacker, safety, and then I was like, oh, he's a soccer guy. He can kick some too. But they never actually seen me kick. <laughs> um, and my first or second practice, um, after having already taken a couple of hits myself, and I wasn't feeling too fond of the, the defensive side of the ball, uh, I, they called me over to hit a kickoff. Um, and I hit like a – and it was like 60-something like yarder. Um, so, you know, pretty much a touchback in high school at that time. Uh, and I just remember my coach like whipping his head around like, was that you? And he's like, you're not doing any of this other stuff anymore. You're just kicking. Um, and I didn't know at that time that the varsity kicker just blown out his knee because he also was playing other positions. Uh, he was playing a uh, wide receiver when that happened. And, and really the, the rest is kind of history from there. You know, I continued to hone in and develop the craft. Uh, and kind of improve and, and a lot of uh, soccer players kind of have that natural uh, you know technique that would be involved for for kicking a football that is similar certainly not the same um, for a soccer ball uh, similar to that of like a goal kick or something like that and one of the fortunate and is also an unfortunate thing as far as my recruiting experience going going into college was I got in it very very late uh, like my after my junior year, going into my senior summer before my last year, that was the first year I really went to recruiting camps. Um, and to my knowledge, I was like, oh, you're just supposed to go to the colleges you want to go to, train with them uh, and then just keep it moving that way. And I didn't know about getting ranked and all these placement camps and getting evaluated and stuff like that. Um, so I ended up in somewhere, Roswell, Georgia, I think, at the first ever ranking camp I went to was for Coles with Coach Jamie. Um, ended up doing pretty well there. And um, also, you know, like I said, I was all over really the Southeast looking at different colleges. Uh, and I remember uh, being a part of a, at the LSU camp. Uh, and it was pretty cool looking back at the names that were there as far as that specific group. Um, that was pulled aside to kick for, you know, the head coach and the special teams coordinator and stuff like that, where some of the, not to name drop, but I will, um, uh, Daniel Carlson was in the mix, uh, myself, uh, Elliot Fry was in there. Um, the future kicker for Baylor was also in there, whose name's escaping me at the moment. Um, there's a lot of guys that went on to, to play at these big schools. Uh, I remember in coach Saylor, um, was the one running that camp and he came up to me at the end of all that. And he's like, where the hell have you been, man? What have you been doing? And I was like, I had no idea about, you know, these camps and just the recruiting process until very late in the game. So 
all that eventually led up to, uh, you know, one day I still haven't chosen where I wanted to go. Um, this is after my senior season's over. I'm training out back. And fortunately, I had a, a solid 15, 20 mile an hour gust of wind at my back. Uh, and I was doing kickoffs and my future roommate and one of my best friends, uh, Nate Crawford, who you know eventually got a full ride to Mizzou, he was out there training too. The head coach, uh, who was later my head coach, Coach Pinkle, he walked out to our backfield and was checking on Nate and some other recruits. And I just was in the right place at the right time. Uh, and Coach Henson, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, kind of waved me over. Uh, I was like, okay, I wasn't really sure who he was. Uh, we talked for about a minute. Like, this is the head coach at the University of Missouri, Coach Pingles. Like, nice to meet you, sir. Um, and then, you know, after, you know, just a couple minute conversation, I set up a visit to go up there, you know, not even a week later. Uh, and then later on chose to pursue my future career both uh, athletically and academically at Mizzou. Um, so really it was just a, you know, it was really lucky, just right place at the right time um, that opened up that opportunity. And, you know, out of all the recruitment camps, stuff that I wish I had done, you know, I just was doing the right thing at the right place and everything fell into place after that. There's so many ways to do it, right? I, I ask this, this often, especially with former like kickers, punters and snappers of the show is, Tell me about your early, early life. Like, how did it happen? You know, and it's crazy. We all have such different stories, you know, but the, one of the common ones is, is, is soccer, of course, but not necessarily. I mean, I'm getting a lot of these uh, pitchers now that really have, they're just good. I don't know how to explain it, but they're long. They're good. They're almost hybrid KP type kids. Um, kids that play basketball, kids that just play sports in general. Um mm. I think, I think there's something there. There's something to that, but it's just neat because we have to remind ourselves like of all these names you just mentioned and, and there's more, you know, like Caleb Sturgis is a kid I've had since day one and uh, Cairo's day one. I, I saw these kids start from somewhere. And I think some of these guys in high school right now who have the aspirations to play on Saturday and do what you did. I think they get discouraged because they look at you guys in action on Saturday, you know, at three 30 on a kickoff and say, he was probably always that good. Right. I mean, I'm not that good. Like I probably can't do that when they don't realize it. I think we all had humble beginnings. It's just, they're just different. It's a different start, but they're, they, they we had a long way to go at that time. Um, so I, I want to get into that. Many listeners of the show really do have aspirations to play on Saturdays. And in addition to these kids, these parents uh, are very in tune with the show too. That's where I get most of my questions from. Um, can you share your early experiences when you did make this big transition from high school to becoming a college athlete? Yeah, that's uh, that was just a whirlwind of transition all at once. I remember specifically, I graduated high school, like in cap and gown, walking across the stage at the ceremony on, I think it was like a Thursday or a Friday. The very next morning, I'm in a car going across the country uh, with my with my mom uh, taking me off to school the very next day, uh, moved into my dorm and everything that Sunday. And, and I didn't have a summer, you know, heck, I was in class on Monday morning, <laughs> um, which was and not only that, it was public speaking. 
Um, so not necessarily an easy class to break you in where you can just blend in with the paint. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much the exact opposite where, you know, just this scrawny little kid um, trying to learn how to speak in front of people, which by the way, is like, if you ask a group of 10 people, uh, what's, if you had to say, um, as far as fears go, how you feel about standing in front of a crowd of people and talking pretty much everyone, like nine and nine, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 people say public speaking is not really my thing if I have a choice. Um, so it was a quick transition for me. It, it certainly may not be that way for everybody. Um, but that definitely was the case for me where, uh, you know, I was offered a, a preferred walk-on spot at Mizzou, uh, which I, you know, also being late in the recruiting process was there's a big difference between walking on somewhere versus a preferred walk-on spot where you are recruited in that way. Um, so, you know, I was, I was there, I was in class. Uh, within that same week, I was also starting our summer conditioning and training, which I would advise any high school athletes that if you are going to be a part of summer training, not only to hit the weights, but hit the cardio as well, because it was, I mean, they'll break you in like a horse, like no joke. It's, it's a completely different level of physical training. Um, and this is just particularly in the summer where there's not necessarily formal practices. There's more uh, player run practices um, that are quote unquote optional, which means you, you should definitely do them. Um, and later on going into fall camp and the first fall season, uh, of my career at Mizzou, it was, uh, it was just, it was a completely different level of commitment, uh, in competition and just the, the notoriety at that level. And just with college sports, just in general is, is something that you just can't really mimic at the high school level, unless maybe you're from Texas. I don't know. Um, the Florida boy that I am. But at the same time, uh, like I was saying, it's just a completely different level where, you know, from sunup to sundown, it's not just playing football anymore. You're quite literally living the game. You know, you wake up, uh, you wake up and go to bed with it very much so. Um, so that was something where, uh, and not a lot of people know this, but after my freshman year, uh, which was just a whirlwind, uh, like I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Uh, you know, being a part of not only a, a great team, but, uh, you know, we made it to the SEC championship my freshman year. I grew up an Auburn fan. That's where my parents met. Uh, so, you know, I have to say, you know, if it wasn't for Auburn, I, I wouldn't exist. And lo and behold, we were playing Auburn in the SEC championship game. And I'm standing on the sideline, just really drinking it in. Because, I mean, these are players uh, on the opposing sideline, mind you that, you know, I was a fan of a year before, a few years before. So, I mean, I was really kind of in the spotlight and that was uh, my redshirt year. So I was just in sweats on the sideline. Um, in which I say that because another amazing thing that happened um, is I looked to my left uh, and there's Nelly just walking up and down the sideline <laughs> with a yellow Mizzou sweater on. And before I was <laughs> so bold, I probably shouldn't have, I wanted to go meet him. I met his bodyguard um, pretty swiftly. And he was, I was like, can I say hi to him? He's like, yeah, it's okay. Um, nice. Just a quick hi and back to the game. Um, uh, all that being said, because the coaches can't make me run anymore for it. So um, <laughs> anyway, moving on to after my first spring ball. And again, going through that process of adapting to 
just the collegiate athlete lifestyle where the demand is so much higher and looking for, you know, that balance of your academic life, your athletic life, your social life, your family life. A lot of things, you know, someone 17, 18, 19 may not consider. Uh, I didn't have the best spring, uh, spring ball season that I could have had. And I get a phone call from uh, my position coach at the time who said that they essentially weren't bringing me back for that next summer. Um, and so for a second, I wasn't a part of the team anymore. And he's like, you're going to come back though, right? And try out for the team. And I was like, I don't know. And he said, hold on. And he didn't, didn't say bye or anything. I just click and static. And so I was like, what am I going to do? This, you know, 18 year old kid, I'm 16 hours from home. You know, you know, I, I went to, you know, I am at school, but, you know, certainly football that brought me out to the Midwest. Uh, and I get a call a couple of minutes later. And he's like, actually, uh, after thinking about it for a second, we'll bring you back for a uh, for first day of school guy. You don't have trap for the team. Um, you're still on the roster. So that's yeah, just like just a rush of emotions. And from that point forward, after my freshman year, going into sophomore, junior, senior, I was like, all right, this is enough playing around. You know, my priorities completely shifted in that moment where it's like, you know, I'm really wanting to go all in on making the most of my athletic opportunity. Uh, as well as, you know, my academic opportunity as well. And you know, putting all the childish things aside and, you know, really, you know, taking the steps that was necessary to, to pursue and really make the most of my, my chance there. Um, and so just within that adjustment period, you know, something I would want to know just coming out of, you know, if I was, you know, doing this all over again, which would be insane to, to have a second chance to do this all over again. Um, but just for any of the high school guys is, you know, go in with your, your priorities in the proper order um, and, you know, make the most of your time so that, you know, at the end of the day, the chips will fall where they will. But, you know, you put everything that you could into your preparation and in the right areas uh, to be successful so you can have that peace of mind. I think it's, it's our job as mentors, coaches, parents, adults to tell these kids because they are kids they're they're sometimes they're 16 as you mentioned i was 17 when i reported miami um i i knew nothing you know i really i really had a long way to go in so many facets of my life and i made this big decision and i i neglected to go to arizona because of the the, the distance like you mentioned it was a culture shock i i enjoyed my time there but when i flew back i was like that's across the country you know, and I went to Washington State, I went to, to West Point, I went all over the place and I felt love and I could have gone to those places. And, and looking back, I kind of I kind of wonder sometimes if I'd have been a better fit academically or socially. But my time at Miami was awesome. And I, I don't I don't regret that. But I do think it's very important for these kids not to fall in love with the blue check status, not to to fall in love with just, it. you know, I'm, I'm going to throw the Gators out because they're the closest FBS team to my studio is if it's not just about wearing the jersey on Saturday, right? At 3.30, um, it's, it's about the weight room. It's about the, the school. It's about the outreach that you should be involved with, where your coaches want you to be involved with. Um, it's about getting those tutor hours, right? It, 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 what you said is true. You kind of wake up with it and you kind of you go to bed with it. And, and what you mean by that is it's literally on a bad day, it's a 14-hour workday in the middle of a work week. Oh, and by the way, if you have an away game, there goes your weekend. 
you're in the airport, you're on a bus, you're always doing something. And you have practice on Sunday, by the way. Don't get that twisted, right? It's a long, probably the longest Saturday of your life. I'll never forget my first Saturday away. We had a five-hour direct flight to Seattle to play Washington. We lose. <laughs> we we get back home at 4:30 to Green Tree is our practice facility. Coach said, sleep in the locker. There's no point going back to dorms or going to your apartments. We've got training in, at 7:30 or whatever. I'm like, what? <laughs> see, I look at my punter who's a junior. He'd been there and he and he looked at me, he's like, Yeah, it's Sunday, bro. Like they don't they don't waver for away games. Like we don't, it's not this is no, this is what we do. I'm like, wow. You know, like, but it's you can't really share all of these things with a kid making this decision. But I think it's important if you have life experience, you share those experiences with people who are about to make these decisions because I I think it's much more than like, like I mentioned, wearing the jersey on Saturday or getting that blue check because you're going to earn both of those. I promise you that. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And uh, that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while online. And with all the threats that you face day to day on the internet, it's more important now than ever to be sure you have the best VPN you can. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start just under $4. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to get up to 75 percent off your nord vpn plan plus one additional month free it is also free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee <laughs> tons of people take multivitamins but it's important to choose one that is top quality with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. I want to keep going. Uh, like all roads, you know, uh, there's going to be bumps um, and even some detours. As you mentioned, you completely shifted campuses. Can you share um, more about your injury at Missouri? and then transferring to West Florida, like what your experience there? Sure. Um, my sophomore year, uh, eventually leading into my, you know, junior year as it would, you know, just kind of to blend those years together. Um, 
because when I first got to Mizzou, um, my big brother on the team and the, the starting kicker when I got there, uh, Andrew Baggett, um, he's, I think he was two years older than me. So he still had two or three seasons left under his belt. I think it might've been two. Um, and going into my junior year, um, still having not had any playing time, still working my way up on the depth chart. I went from, you know, a no name and I don't need, I, if there was, must've been heck. And this is also something to, to be mindful of at the, uh, particularly at D1 schools um is there's a, a much bigger roster and a lot more specialists on the roster in particular especially nowadays um where i think we had you know five or six kickers and of those two were combo guys and an additional three punters um so just specialist galore um and so you really got to make the most of your opportunities and as a preferred walk-on as well you know i was on even thinner ice than the guys that were getting paid to be there and when I say getting paid, not trying to start any NCAA scandals that had their scholarship money and stuff like that taken care of. Um, so um, something going into that particular year, uh, right before I got hurt, um, we, I remember specifically we were going to play Vanderbilt that week. Uh, and I got a phone call that I'll never forget um, that Monday morning when they choose the travel roster. That was kind of like my Rudy moment where – they're like, they're like, Luke, uh, we decided we're going to travel you for this week because our punter at the time, uh, Corey Fatoni, who's an awesome guy, um, he was dealing with uh, an injury of his own. And so an opportunity opened up for me to, to maybe get to punt uh, as well as just, if not, you know, to be back up and travel to my first game. Um, and so I was, I was through the, you know, through the roof. I was super excited. You know, immediately call mom and dad, like, you know, get everyone's butts to Nashville. You know, I'm, I'm going to be there. You know, might get my first college uh, playing time and everything like that. Because um, I'd really put emphasis in uh, perfecting, you know, becoming a more true combo guy. I was a kicker, kickoff kind of guy coming out of high school, but I didn't punt much. And so I really worked on that in college, as well as onside kicks as well. If there was any type of kicking, I wanted to be the guy for it. Um, I wanted to be ready for it. And so, you know, that Wednesday after I got that phone call and, you know, my family had made travel arrangements to come up to Nashville that week for that game. I remember I was, uh, we were doing punt drills and I'd been experiencing some groin tightness and was just kind of battling through it because I learned my freshman year when I walked out in a red jersey and probably shouldn't have been. Someone walked up and was like, uh, what you got a red jersey on there for kicker I was like oh my hamstrings a little tight today and he's like are you kidding me that's it um he's like everybody's out here hurt. you got to make it work man um so that's just kind of the gladiator mindset that was taught pretty early on <laughs> fast forward three years later um I remember it was a directional punt right and I just hit some pretty good ones before and this one I extended a little long and so I really had to reach for it and I just felt a pull in my groin I was like, that didn't feel too good. And so period ends. That was the last kick for the period. Uh, I walked down to, to the kicker field or the third practice field. Um, and I try to swing my leg and I, I can barely get it a couple inches off the ground. I was like, this thing's pulled and it's pulled good. So I had uh, in that one moment, I went from, you know, everything I'd worked for for three years just kind of came tumbling down in that particular week and it's like a soft tissue injury you can recover 
but it was pretty late in the year and the odds of me making it back in time and battling my way all the way back up the roster was pretty slim. And that groin tightness and groin injury lingered with me all throughout my junior spring, junior summer, into my fourth year and my senior, uh, that senior fall, you know, my last season at Missouri. Um, and lo and behold, having done some steroid injections in my hip to try and make it work, I think it was cortisone. Uh, and that didn't really help too much. I did a PRP injection in there. Uh, and I've experienced some pain in my life, but an injection into a, a hip joint is, is no fun. Um, I was jumping off the table, passed out every time. You know, I, I can barely get a flu shot without fainting, let alone getting a, a needle, you know, that's five inches long into the hip joint. And uh, I experienced a lot of stress, you know, it was kind of up and down emotionally uh, because, you know, my mind at that point, I felt was so in advance to what my body was allowing itself to do. And I was at just a standard checkup with a doctor and I told him about my hip or my groin and he assessed my hip. He says, you need a, a, an MRI of your hip. Um, and lo and behold, I had developed something called a FAI, um, which is femora acetabulum impingement, uh, which is really common in track athletes and golfers and kickers and punters too, which you know, was, this was news to me. Um, so in the long run, it was my hip turned into basically a pencil sharpener. Uh, so it was like, no wonder my groin was hurting so bad uh, every time I tried to swing my leg and um, you know, I was just trying everything to make it work at that point. And then I ended up having to have surgery on my hip, uh, after my senior year. Cause I, I was like, I really wanted to finish it out. Uh, when we finished it out with a win against Arkansas, who was our, our rival at home. So it certainly ended on a high note, uh, and then had my surgery that off season and, uh, had a really honest conversation with, uh, my special teams coordinator that year. Um, and he told me, he said, you know, it's going to be you know, an uphill battle from here for you to, to earn your spot back. Because, uh, you know, I had an upperclassman ahead of me when I got there. And then when he left, the number one recruit in the country, you know, as a freshman comes in, Tucker McCann, who's, you know, is a friend to this day. You know, I really appreciate my relationship with him. But if you ever seen the movie Love and Basketball, uh, there's one line in that movie uh, where it's like, don't ever let a freshman take your spot. And then and it's like, that's pretty much what happened to me. Um, so uh, at that point, I really applied to transfer to one place, one place only. I was like, I want to go back home. Uh, there wasn't a football program at UWF when I left and graduated high school. It formed, it was brand new, like my sophomore year of school. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to go back home and do my fifth year there and really apply. I, I, as soon as I got Coach Shinnick, uh, Coach Pete Shinnick on the phone, I was like, I was like, he's like, I got your, uh, I got your application for transfer. Uh, you know, want to see if you're interested in coming back home and playing ball. I was like, I'm going to give you a verbal commitment right now. I was like, I'm, I'm so ready to come back home. Uh, and from there, I was six, seven months post-stop, sent him a running film on YouTube of me kicking just so he could make sure that I could, you know, still physically go out there and do it. Uh, and then, um, you know, started fall camp and was not only started fall camp, but my first time as a full scholarship athlete as well, uh, back home in Pensacola, Florida, battling out in another fall camp. And uh, unfortunately, but fortunately at the same time, because I see it as, you know, a blessing in disguise. Uh, I got beat out by a, a kicker named Austin Williams, 
who another good friend to this day um, that I not only got to play alongside, but also uh, got to coach, coach him as well. And that was like a whole nother story. Um, try learning to coach, uh, you know, former teammates. That's a, that's a whole nother challenge in and of itself. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but within that season, I went from saying I was on college football teams to getting my first playing time and to say, you know, legitimately it's like, I've played college football. So there's kind of that moral victory in that. Um, and then after I gra- uh, finished my fifth year there, coached for another two seasons uh, in, in, uh, in, in full-time in school now. Um, and yeah, UWF and being back home has been amazing. Uh, it's been quite a journey to say the least at this point. Well, let's talk about that. So you, you kind of switched gears, right? And the focus shifted to academics and I want to let you discuss it, but you are currently a staff member at West Florida and it's what's called a CAPS. It's the Counseling and Psychological Psychology Services Department. And you assist the student body, um, not just like with personal stuff, but maybe academic stresses and, um, and also professionally, you know, like maybe discussing like what's next, which is a very daunting subject for a junior and senior in college. Uh, can you share some thoughts on this experience and um, how you're providing and what you're providing for these students, these athletes, these coaches and people in general? Yeah. Um, I've been there almost a year at this point. I'm set to graduate this May, 2022. Thank the Lord. I'm so ready for that. Um, <laughs> but the, some of the services we offer uh, uh, at CAPS or the, the counseling center, like you're talking about, uh, we offer, you know, individual counseling, group counseling, uh, psychiatric evaluations. We have a psychiatrist on staff. Um, we offer biofeedback therapy, which is, you know, is, that's something I would encourage majority of athletes, not just from, you know, a, a self-coping strategy perspective, but from, uh, from a, you know, a sports psychological training tool. Uh, biofeedback is something that is, is really breaking edge and should be uh, I think it's actually a part of quite a few uh, collegiate programs, training in and of itself. But that's another service we offer uh, along with couples counseling. So that's always fun. Um, and, you know, I've had a lot of my general work has been with uh, the general student body um, and, you know, working with all the different areas I just listed. Um, I've had a few athletes come through um, that I've got to work with as well. Um, and, and really just the something that I think is important, both for general students and student athletes alike, uh, and just people in general, is to be able to be okay with voicing, you know, that, that internal experience, um, both in, you know, joyous times as well as in times of struggle uh, and adversity that someone could be going through. Um, and to be okay with, you know, having that conversation, you know, openly and honestly, both with yourself uh, as well as with, you know, maybe with a, with a therapist, maybe with a family member or a friend or a coach, whoever it may be, someone you trust and you feel okay with, uh, with just being open uh, and vulnerable and having those tough conversations with, because uh, that in and of itself, just from a general viewpoint, uh, has been probably the most impactful ex- part of this whole experience for me is just having these, you know, very open and honest lines of communication uh, and not only, you know, through that kind of just the troubleshooting processes, here are my concerns, here are my goals in response to those concerns, 
And all right, let's, you know, troubleshoot some potential solutions for you to achieve that. Because uh, that's very much, you know, my philosophy and how I like to work with people um, is like, what, are, what are, what's bothering you? What's the problem? You know, what are your goals in response to that? Uh, and then let's figure out, you know, how to get you to achieve those goals. You know, what are those underlying objectives? You know, thinking about it very pragmatically uh, in that way, but also, you know, having that, uh, that unconditional positive regard and that open ear um, so that people, you know, feel comfortable speaking with you um, and just being able to have those conversations that you, know, you may not typically have in your day to day. Uh, and it's been, a, I've been, you know, very blessed and grateful for the experience. It's just, it brought up a memory that I just haven't thought about in a long time, but my father for the first 15 years of my life was a therapist for like troubled youth in an inpatient setting. Mm-hmm. And he got, he got to have like rec time with them. My dad was an athlete. He played soccer in college. So he found outlets through most of them physically. He played, he'd play sport with them or like do Frisbee. But he'd always come home and just remind me, like, you're having a good day, whether you're having a good day or not. He's like, I just saw some bad days. And, and we have to be mindful of that, too. Is uh, And I think it's important what you said. I think it, the, the, the sooner that we all become a little more transparent with our feelings, the more likely everyone will feel better about their situation. Right. I'm trying to get somewhere. This is like I think instead we look at everyone's profile. We don't. We don't even go meet them anymore in person. We just, I'm going to go check out Luke's Twitter feed. See what he did last week. Well, guess what? Everything last week that he put on there, I guarantee was a highlight, right? It was the best part of that day or the best part of that few days. Hmm. And I think it's unfortunate that kids are growing up in this environment, you know, because they really are seeing it from like a very, very skewed perspective um, that isn't true at all. Um, so I, I think that it's important that there's more and more people like you, um, that are promoting this way of thinking and then encouraging people to say, yo, it's okay. If you're having a bad day, just say it, it's actually not good for you internally to not let that come out. You know, if you're going to suppress those feelings, they will eventually come out. And we also see that, which is really unfortunate. Sometimes it's super unfortunate situations. So I want to end with a, something a little brighter, you know, mm-hmm. but, relate, but relatable to the last question. Um, you and I have worked together as a player coach relationship, and now I consider you a peer. And I asked you um, if, if there's any way that you and I could work together in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're kind of coming to the agreement that this mental health thing is important. And those kickers and punters and snappers, because that's what this show is about, and coaches, Uh, are best when they feel best and when they can acknowledge their feelings and kind of get through bad days and remember good days and all all in between. So you and I are doing a project. Uh, I don't want to go too in depth with it, but it's basically going to stress the mental conditioning training uh, program for specialists and athletes in general. Can you elaborate a little more about this and how it could benefit a student athlete or a coach or even a parent? Yeah, um, this is something that, uh, you know, my first experience with just, you know, psychology and mental conditioning in and of itself was my, you know, my first year at Missouri, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of a program there under uh, Coach Ivy and Dr. McGuire, uh, as well as uh, Dr. Scott Morton as well, um, you know, and the teaching on core concepts of things like motivation uh, preparation, uh, focus, just in and of itself, emotional stability, uh, accountability, 
and all that kind of peer as a pyramid scheme working up to uh, you know optimal performance being at the very peak of the pyramid. Um, so you can think of it as like you know your mental conditioning pyramid, which really is you know kind of the, the ideal symbol, um, you know, with all these concepts kind of falling underneath. Uh, but you know, because you know, need to train the mind as well as the body. You know, the the mind is the control center, uh, and the body kind of falls into place. You know, because even the things where it's like, oh, I just go out there and you know, I'm in the zone. Uh, you know, being in the zone uh, is you know what also could be called the optimal emotional level of arousal. You know, some people are super amped up and can put their foot through the wall, and it's like, oh, that's the level of emotional arousal they need to be at to to play at their very best. And then I'll never forget this story. He was an elite tight end before my time at Mizzou. I went on to have a great career in the NFL. His name was Chase Kaufman. And (laughs) my position coach was like, he was fast asleep in his locker before every game, right up until they ran out of the tunnel. To talk about different levels of, you know, just your your mental level of arousal, uh, just as far as like adrenaline goes. And some people are ready to put their head through a wall. Some people like Chase are just fast asleep in their locker. So um, all in all, those are some of the basic concepts um, just within this type of program. And it's something where uh, sports psychology in and of itself has really developed into performance psychology. You know, so you alluded to that earlier too, that this isn't just for specialists. It isn't just for athletes. Um, it can be for parents and just perform- performance in and of itself alike. Um, and it's something I've been very passionate about over the years. It's what inspired me to get into psychology, as well as my 93-year-old grandfather, who is a psychology professor at USA and Mobile forever. Um, but still, th- these concepts, this program is what inspired me to pursue the career I'm on right now. And, you know, to be able to give back to, you know, young, young athletes and their, uh, their families and just athletes in general. Uh, with some concepts that have been so impactful for me uh, in my day-to-day life and just performance uh, is something I'm super excited about and really excited for this opportunity and, and what's to come from this program. Yeah, I am too. So moving forward, uh, Luke will have a, a, a presence on my website um, under the staff section. And we're going to probably call it something like 40U Mental Conditioning and just contribute some thoughts. And I think he's going to offer me some resources to share with you guys. And um, we'll probably have some dialogue on Twitter too. I might just tag him in a few things, but I'm I'm excited personally for this because again, like you mentioned, like, yes, I mean, this is going to cater to kickers, punters, snappers, but if you change the noun to life instead of football, uh, you know, throughout the document, it really is applicable to everything, right? This is just words. Um, so I, I love what you're saying. Like the, this is something that parents can, can, can attack coaches can attack because if, if we're all educating ourselves, it still turns around and does help the student athlete, which is what my focus is for fourth down you is, is to get these kids where they want to go. You know, hopefully that academics is first, but football is a platform, you know, um, and, and, and may the dust settle and you're in the NFL, but if it doesn't, you've got a degree and you've got a future. So I think it's very important school academics first. And I think that that was a good message you sent today was that um, like most of us football, it ends sooner than we want. And hopefully we we are choosing degrees and things we want to do that we still love because we, we have to put the cleats away at some point. And I know it's very cliche to say this, but 
I think a lot of people don't show it in their action. I think people live miserable adult lives because they hate their job and their job occupies two thirds of their time. So, so any young guys listening today is don't get stressed. I don't need you to identify your degree as a 16 year old. And I think you should be fully prepared that your, your degree may, may change once or twice. Um, but that's okay. That's to be expected. You're, you're 18, 19, 20 at that point. And you had the rest of your life to do this thing called a job or a career, hopefully. And uh, hopefully you love it. Um, and, and you go every day and you, you want to get better at it every day. That's, that's a career. So Luke, thank you again for joining. Uh, I'd like you to share a few ways that uh, the audience could reach you. Yeah. Um, I, I am on Twitter, like you were saying, uh, at Luke P Jackson with a capital P and J. Uh, and then just, uh, my email address, you know, shoot me an email. If you have any questions or want to have a conversation, I'm, I'm always open to talk uh, is LP Jackson zero three at gmail.com. It's kind of like 007 style right there, but, uh, I like it. So anyway, uh, means a lot to everyone at fourth down focus that, uh, coach, I'm going to call you coach Luke Jackson was able to share information that can and will benefit performance both on and off the field. Please give us a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to the show. Share it with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have feedback for me, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is 4thDownU. That's 4-T-H-D-O-W-N-U.com. And on social media, Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at 4thDownU. Uh, thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. And I hope 2022 is still treating each of you well. Remember, in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.